0: Gendering in the margins of medicine, it's the Shortcoat Podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews.
1: By students,
2: for students, subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com.
1: Welcome back to the Shortcoat Podcast. I'm Dave Etler. With me today are those kings and queens of medical education. These mythical creatures of knowledge, these amazing of the university of iowa carver college of medicine of course i'm talking about corbin weaver hello levi endelman
2: don't build my confidence up too much dave you
1: well teneme Kone. yo and kylie miller hey y'all thank you for joining me on today's show guys
3: thanks for having us
1: i'll take that long (laughs) silence out (laughs) (laughs) uh man what a week in the news right it's been a big week am i right
4: you're you right. are right all D- the time.
1: Dominated, of course, by the president who shall not be named in the reality <laughs> show that is our country. Look, I'm not being political here. <laughs> I'm really. <laughs> but back in November, we, we did a show trying to figure out uh, what happened in the election, how this particular person came to power in, uh, I think, a surprise win. And, uh, you know, I, I was pretty pleased with the episode. I thought we did a pretty good job. But we did get a comment on our website uh, that uh, way back when that I didn't really know how to respond to. And I so I have a policy, sort of an unofficial policy, that I will respond to your comment. Um, but I didn't know what to do with this comment because I was uh, feeling feels. And uh, I did promise myself that uh, I would take some time to address it, because I think it's important to respond to as many listener comments as we can. And the comment, comment said, in, in, in uh, very measured and thoughtful tones, I thought, um, that our attempts to figure out what happened and uh, what voters were thinking about when choosing our next president, um, they thought that our attempt came off as condescending. Um, I've been thinking about that for a couple months. And uh, I don't agree without analysis all I can say is that I'm sorry uh, John that you see it that way we were uh, I will say that we were in shock Uh, we were mourning at what seemed like the death of our progressive views Um, we were fearful of what the election meant for our own lives and those of our friends and families Um, we did attempt to rise above the fray uh, our grief our fear and uh, for once consider what others were thinking um, sorry, we couldn't, as you suggested, John, do better. Um, we, we, you know, we uh, you, you did suggest specifically that we um, that we should have gotten some Trump voters in for that discussion. Uh, it turns out to be a little difficult to do in uh, in this liberal uh, uh, university um, here in the only liberal county pretty much in iowa represent uh but we and we when we send out requests for co-hosts um and we're going to talk about different subjects we basically take whoever signs up and uh, i don't know i you know who 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 amongst the people on my list are trump supporters and who aren't and there are we know that there are trump supporters in medical school we know this but none of them offered to come and be on the show so we'll take that as it may any thoughts, you guys, about uh, about this bit of feedback?
3: Keep the feedback coming. <laughs> yeah. We love it. Yes, we, love feedback. Keep we do. The love
1: discussion it. open. We do love feedback. So stick around for the rest of the show, as you're in for a treat. We'll you're be, in. We'll be discussing this week's news. We'll be playing a game of listening and interpreting. Uh, but first, I wanted to uh, throw it out to you guys um, something that I read. In, uh, in my email this week, uh, one of the things that pre-meds do to beef up their applications to med school, maybe something that even you guys considered or did, uh, is to get some clinical experience. In fact, uh, most schools say that clinical experience is a real bonus for your application. They look for that. Um, according to the an Association of American Medical Colleges Group on Student Affairs Committee survey of member schools... Admissions folks say that, as you might expect, 73% of respondents highly recommend or require applicants to have experience in clinical practices. 87% said that an applicant might be disadvantaged if they don't have such an experience. But here's the kicker. Member schools express concerns about pre-medical students engaging in invasive procedures in international settings. 45 to 50% say that unsupervised participation in invasive procedures would hurt or at least not help an applicant uh even supervised participation uh is a problem for admissions committees did you guys uh participate in stuff like in did you go internationally for for um or 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 nationally or within the u.s domestically um, for clinical experiences? Well, it, Levi, you were at EMT, I think, right?
2: I was a certified nursing assistant. Oh, okay, so I, was, right. I was a CNA, but...
1: Uh, so you had that it, in the it, bag. I, you were. I,
2: I, I had a little bit of experience there, um, but... Most of my experience then outside of that to actually see what, you know, physician life was like just came from shadowing, which was just strict observation. You're not doing anything Mm -hmm. because you're not licensed, you're not insured, you're not covered, and you're not educated to do anything. So it's not your place to really be doing a whole lot at that point. Yeah. Anybody else do any shadowing or?
4: I worked as a scribe for two years during undergrad. And so I think I was really lucky to have those few thousand hours on my application coming in that I had a good basis of clinical um, exposure, kind of like Levi from shadowing, but um, at my college there were several opportunities to do like international um, service trips. And one of them was like medically based or we go down to Mexico. And so you can join a team of either like medical service work or um, leading like sports activities for kids, teaching surfing and things like that. And I like always opted to do something else like build a house uh, Hmm. or things to learn because I knew that I would get that training in medical school. It was just a matter of getting in here. But I can see where the struggle is of people who don't have opportunities to get that experience, whether you don't know physicians to shadow or you don't have a scribe program in your area or you don't have the time to become a CNA. I'm not sure what that process looks like. Um, But if you have the money in your pocket to pay to join one of these programs and get that, I see where the lure is for a lot of students. So when I was in undergrad, I got my
3: EMT when I was a freshman, I think, and then I, like, volunteered in a university medical center when I was in college. But um, so after I... I graduated from undergrad. I had, um, there is the university that I went to has a medical mission in the Dominican Republic. And, um,
1: this is university sponsored.
3: Yep. University sponsored. Um, and they have opportunities for undergrads and, you know, like me as an undergrad, I led the trip, but I wasn't doing anything medical. I was doing more administrative, right. like, you know, paperwork type of stuff. So it was like, you know, we brought doctors and dentists down, but all of the undergrads or anyone without a health science degree or like training was just doing sort of paperwork or translating or, um, administrative type stuff, which I think for, I believe, you know, it's been a while that I've thought about it, but I think that for, um, application purposes for medical school clinical experience counts as stuff like that kind of like as long as you're in the room so like scribing counts you don't actually have to be like a phlebotomist yeah for that to count
4: which yeah um
1: yeah the the key is observation yeah that's one of the keys i mean
4: well and i think it's an it's an opportunity to learn other parts that you aren't necessarily going to be explicitly taught in medical school so whether that's like Working at a front desk in the ER or um, charting and those sorts mm-hmm. of things that we don't get as much experience. Have faith in the medical school system that you are going to be taught everything you need to know, and you don't need to showcase that coming in.
1: Another- what about you, uh, uh, Teneme, did you do any anything like that, or did you just skip? Uh,
0: that not down? a whole lot. Feeling a little inadequate here. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I, I don't know that you need
1: to. I mean, I mean,
0: I did like a little bit of shadowing, um, and then most of my I guess clinical stuff was volunteer work at the hospital. Uh, but while I was there, I tried to like, you know, peek around corners and see what doctors were doing and stuff like that. And just kind of like try <laughs> like, to... Who's that creepy guy? Try to slowly insert <laughs> myself um, in some discussions. Um you yeah. see that
1: guy in the window? What the <laughs> hell is he doing? <laughs> so I would imagine,
3: you know, that most of that... I think it has a lot to do with the organization that you affiliate yourself with. So if you're like affiliated with a good organization that you know has high moral standards about how we treat our patients in low income settings or mm-hmm. in other countries, then they don't put someone who's not qualified to do something at the you know at the helm of like taking yeah. care of them medically. But I think part of wanting to for undergrad students wanting to be a part of that is just like oh they wanted they want to be a doctor so they want to feel like a doctor, mm-hmm. and that's how they m- maybe get into you know doing something that's
2: like yeah uh, and that, that's another consideration too is you know a lot of students they they know that having some sort of clinical experience is beneficial to have as a part of your application package and what that looks like might be different to different students and they are also told kind of from day one you know to try to diversify yourself and have experience throughout your undergrad career that you can write about in your personal statements, some life-changing points, and for one of them might be actually diving into medicine and actually trying to do instead of just observe. I can see how that could be an allure to have something interesting and unique on your application. So it's interesting to hear that the medical schools themselves are a a little bit hesitant about students, even though it's it's a good-natured, kind of gung-ho attitude that it's uh, sort of the, the wrong way yeah. to go about getting that kind of experience.
1: Well I know that Robin Petzold our um, our global programs uh, director uh, was talking about it the other day and I, I think that there is a concern, there's a couple of concerns number one, you're not really qualified um, as, a, as an undergraduate pre-med, you're not really qualified to do anything procedural thing yeah, I mean unless that's you not have
3: another certification unless
1: you've yeah exactly unless you're most pre-meds just aren't educated yeah. enough to do that number two there is an element of paternalism in going to another country and saying I'm going to help you uh, you know by doing these procedures um, again you're not qualified but also you know There's an ethical problem with saying, you know, here I am. I'm a I'm a pre-medical student. I have no training. I'm going to come and pull teeth, or help you give birth, or vaccinate, or suture, or whatever. Are we providing good medical care if we're, you know, letting somebody who is essentially Joe Schmo come off the street and and stitch you up? You know, that's kind of a problem.
2: Yeah, it's the argument of, uh, is some help better than no help?
1: Yeah, it's better than nothing. Where, (laughs) uh,
2: you know, the the better than nothing aspect of it might lead to negative patient outcomes, either surgically, procedurally, down the road, due to uh, lack of training experience. Yeah. Yeah.
4: And I think it goes back to the paternalism thing that you touched on, Dave, is that not even just sending students internationally, but on these physician-supervised trips where U.S. you know licensed physicians go into—I think Corinne mentioned Dominican Republic—and we had doctors go with us to Mexico—is that those doctors technically aren't licensed by the boards in those countries to practice there, and they're certified here. But we don't accept other countries, you know, licensures. When you know doctors from Mexico move here, we expect them to go through all of these rigorous rigorous processes in order to deem them competent to practice in our country. And by just going, you know, willy nilly, we are kind of imposing on them. Well, yes, but our system is inherently better than yours. So of course we are doing you a favor by coming and giving you our practice.
1: I don't think pre-meds actually believe that they're going to these countries, um, in order to, you know, show the world how great, you know, American medicine is. But at the same time, that's a message that, that could be given, in both directions. It's
3: kind of implicit in the whole thing. Yeah, you know, right. it's not, not like they're it's not, you know, something that's stated, but that's what's assumed yeah. when you move forward with something like that. Um,
1: I think the message here is pre-meds, if you're going to go on an international medical mission of some sort, make sure that it's the right one. Make sure that it's not going to screw you uh, on the admissions pro- process and make sure that you're doing the amount of good that you are capable of doing in that situation and not more.
4: And I would say do research before you travel, before you go to places of maybe why there is there are issues in this country's healthcare system. What does their healthcare system look like? Um, what does access look like for these people? Kind of try and educate yourself to think a little deeper about what problems um, you might be facing and what these people are up against.
3: Yeah, and I would say seek out programs that like encourage you to do the same thing, mm-hmm. um, are a little bit more um, involved in the communities. Like, for instance, my university, they use Dominican doctors in their mission in the DR. Um, it's a it's a mission that's there all year round yeah. it's not like a temporary thing um the board of directors are all dominicans but um also i mean so we were talking about this experience of going abroad as a, uh, um as a you know like something to put in your resume but i would just encourage people to think about doing something that's like more meaningful to their to because to be honest with Everyone's had one of those like, I mean, it's not uncommon for someone's application to in- incorporate something like, that, you know, like a week long mission trip or a mm-hmm. week long service trip. Or even if it's, you know, within the country, it's not, you know, uncommon for people to have that experience. So I think your time, it would probably be better. And this is really I mean, it's for your resume, but it's for your personal development. Yeah. Your time is better spent um, really investing in a community that you care about as opposed to like just going to do something for a week or so. Because then you you know, it like there's... gets you to think critically, it gets you to develop as a person, it gets you invested in a community and it's yeah.
1: there's an element of medical tourism in these things too, which I think is problematic as yeah. well. Like oh we're gonna it's it's like going to gop at the at the healthcare system of an of a of an undeveloped or a less developed country than our own. Look at look at how they do things. That's interesting, kind of
2: which is yeah. a little creepy. So Yeah. So, pick your. Uh, do people pay for these things?
3: Some do. Okay, so that's some kind of, the, of a problem.
2: Yeah, some of the programs that that run or that uh, that run these trips are actually for-profit programs. Yeah. That are that are preying on that perceived interest and need for these kind of experiences, and then conversely, sometimes it can happen that when students go on these trips, then that they've paid money for to go and relocate themselves halfway around the world. There might be a sense of, you know, I've paid for this right to be here. You know, I'm I may be entitled to do this, this or this because I've paid the money to be here. And this is what I was told. Uh, yeah, that's kind of a problem. Don't don't. I mean, don't pay for something
1: that. Don't pay to do work for somebody else. I mean, if it I mean, that's weird. Number one, I mean, it doesn't make Isn't any sense from an Yeah, but there's a lot of infrastructure there. that Somebody's got to pay me to make this podcast, you know, another uh, episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we'll talk about that another time, whether that's a good expenditure of money,
4: (laughs) you know, and I come speaking from a place where I have traveled internationally and I've seen a lot of these things and I have a lot of friends who've done it coming into med school. But um, with the whole financial thing is, oftentimes these programs, you're spending maybe up to five thousand dollars for these lengthier trips, and just maybe consider the the other opportunities mm. that you have to invest that much money in a community through reputable programs who have been grounded in on you know on these country soil for a long time, and how much money they could um they could use to make that impact multiply.
1: Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with going overseas to no. do medical work, no, but do consider that you don't have to spend five grand to participate in a clinical experience. I think there's probably a lot of opportunities within your own country, whether it's the U.S. or wherever it is, to do something, to, to get the same kind of experience. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want to go on a trip, go on a trip, you know, be a tourist. <laughs> do that. Um, but if you want to participate in, in in a clinical experience
4: and genuinely improve people's well and genuinely
1: improve people's well well you know like i don't i wouldn't i'm not even sure that i would go into it with that from 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 you know i would go into it with i want to learn something you know because you're not really in a position to improve anything you know what you're in a position to do is to help other people improve things and to and to learn and I, that's probably what you meant. And, and, and yeah,
4: in the, not in the clinical aspect, yeah. but in a larger, grander scale. Right. I guess so, the bottom line is just be intentional
3: about how you and thoughtful about what yeah. you do and how you spend your time and what you invested in.
4: And it's hard to be a pre med. Like, we get that. And we know you want this experience because it's really hard to get in here. And it's like hard to feel like anything is really going to you know, impress the admissions committee, but they look for commitment and they can smell like you know
1: fear no they can, <laughs>
4: no, they can smell fear and they can just they can smell when you're being fake about intentions or you know desires
1: yeah um so yeah good luck if, if you've uh, if you've done a um medical mission um and liked what you did i'd love to hear about that uh you can send us a message Uh, either an audio message of some sort by calling 347-746-7828 or recording something on your phone and emailing it to theshortcoats at gmail.com or you can just write in at theshortcoats at gmail.com or wherever you like to write things, we're listening. Um, We'd love to hear about your experience, whether it was a good thing, whether in the end you were like, you know, I shouldn't have done that. It would be really interesting to hear about um, other people's experience and whether you thought it helped you or others. Speaking of uh, vaccinations... (laughs) lawyer and radio host robert f kennedy jr who believes that autism is caused by vaccines told reporters in the lobby of some tower somewhere that he'd met with the president elect and that he'd been asked to chair a proposed commission on autism
2: hooray i'm
1: crying inside (laughs) Mm. Uh, kennedy would like to repeal laws requiring childhood vaccination There's um, already a federal advisory committee on immunization led by public health and medical experts to make recommendations on how vaccines are used. So uh, a lot of um, people in medicine and public health are kind of like very, very concerned about this idea um, because it's difficult enough to get people to uh, do the right thing. The basis of all of these fears on autism is a long discredited study um, on the measles vaccine and its connection to autism, a fraudulent study, uh, purposely fraudulent study. So, yeah, let's just make our jobs that much harder. That should be great.
4: Subtle reminder that this podcast is coming to you from the University of Iowa, where just last year, over 100 under-vaccinated or non-vaccinated students contracted mumps.
1: Yes. Man. Anyway, a spokesman for the president-elect said that he's exploring the possibility of this commission, but no decisions have been made, and that he looks forward to talking to many groups and individuals who are not qualified on the topic. <laughs> okay, I, I added that last bit. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's just a travesty is what it is. Mm-hmm.
2: B- bottom line is the the study that they, you said it already, the, the study they're drawing all this from was retracted, discredited, proven fraudulent. Yeah, it wasn't a just flat a technical
1: out problem with lie. the study or you know a, a well meaning you know study that per- turned out to be wrong. It was a
2: freaking lie. And the gentleman who purported this study has since been revoked of his medical license. Yeah.
4: And this was so long ago and it's still making trouble.
3: And I think it's worth mentioning that people have died as a result.
2: Yes.
4: Lots of people have died.
2: Yes.
3: Um, And people will continue to die if... Uh, if laws, you know, get taken away that people don't need to get vaccinated. And it's just, it's pretty, pretty sad. Yeah. People don't realize that when we, you know, we just talk about shots and it doesn't seem like the stakes are that high, but they are, they're extremely high.
1: Well, and I think a lot of people don't realize how shots work. I mean, people think that the shots are there to help you be immune but really, what the shots are doing, and that's part of it, but one of the most important things that the shots are doing, is make is protecting the people around you, from getting sick. So, did you have something to say, or were you? Oh, yes. Oh, okay.
4: Just came, kept saying shots, and Levi were over here, like getting ready for Friday <laughs> night.
2: Oh. And you want to take that bit out? Oh, I wish I could be there.
4: Vaccination, <laughs> Vaccination.
3: herd immunity. So. Pleasure.
1: A little encouraging news out of Washington. Mm. Um, this week, also, the Department of Homeland Security announced that implantable defibrillators and pacem- pacemakers manufactured by St. Jude's Medical can be remotely controlled by hackers. <laughs> Which sounds really like a very bad idea.
3: That sounds like a plot line oh, to... Uh... Like i don't know like tom some, clancy novel yeah, or something like I, we have control your pacemaker and they you know make this person do stuff i don't know
1: yeah drive at least 60 miles an hour in your bus or we'll explode your pacemaker or
3: like a, a president you know one day in the future has a pacemaker that gets hacked and it's uh, anyway it's kind you of just put
4: that out idea out there corbin if this well, happens they have to, yeah <laughs> well.
1: I, I'm I don't sure. know any
4: presidents that have pacemakers. So.
1: Look, Dick Cheney. You know, I'm sure no, he, he had, had a pacemaker, pacemaker didn't he? That was before hacking. I don't know. Yeah. Actually, that's not true.
2: Russia's <laughs> going to start hacking pacemakers now.
1: Yeah. Um, the the so these these are it's, it's such a weird idea to me. Actually, I mean, I can see it. These are network connected devices that send data back to doctors for mm-hmm. analysis. Mm-hmm. They can the, the, so the doctor can see you know when you've. You know, for instance, if you've got a, a defibrillator, it can see that you've been shocked. It can see what your heart rate is. It can see all this kind of stuff. And it can be analyzed. It's a good idea. Um, the flaw, though, uh, allows... Ha- hackers could use the flaw to run down the device's battery, to alter its pacing, um, and to administer shocks remotely for, you know, arbitrary shocks, and... Um, the flaw has been apparently known about for months, but it was announced this week after the manufacturer released a software patch. Um, and the, the bit I love is the patch will be rolled out automatically over months to patients via their device's home transmitter. Y- you know, so, so here you've got a pacemaker that relies on your home network to, uh, to get an update. Just a little worried about this whole home networked, dev- life-saving device idea. It seems a little...
2: A little iffy to me. Depend all the more on your internet service provider.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, oh, yeah. you died. Comcast was throttling your connection. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and I guess I'm torn between, you know, why do we have to make everything so technologically dependent or enabled that, you know, if you you should be able to scan and gain that data. Like I imagine them using one of those wands they use at an airport or something yeah. that they could at your local physician's office you know, physically collect that information from the pacemaker rather than routing it or, you know, wiring it to a network. But then at the same time, it gives us so much more um, mobility with patients in rural areas or who may not have routine access to healthcare providers. So it's just, you know, it's really frustrating that people have to go and screw this up for the rest of us.
1: Well, I think it's good news that they figured it out. Hey, there you go.
3: So I, it, it, is the news that it was hacked or that it could be? Hacked?
1: It could be. No, no problems have been reported at this point, but well, it's possible. Um, yeah, no, I always wonder about, when you know, as, with these devices, with these electronic devices that, you know, send information back to your doctor and all this kind of stuff, like how much data is too much? You know, it, is this something that, is is your doctor really gonna like pour over all of this data that you get back how is it collated i'd love to see like what the doctor sees for instance um i mean hopefully it's presented in a way that makes uh that makes sense i mean doctors are smart they, they know what to do but at the same time it's like it's so much information potentially that we could gather using these technological means do they do you know corbin do, you're, you're do you
3: i know how they work
1: do you, have you seen anything like this yeah, in the hospital? no, like, I
3: mean, it happens a lot when people have pacemakers, like if someone comes in, they have a pacemaker, we interrogate it to figure out like if, um, yeah, that's what it's called. It.
1: Give so. us your answers. Have <laughs> you um, been hacked?
3: Yeah. To figure out what happens is pretty important part of it. Um, yeah. taking care of the uh, people with pacemakers to be able to know what their heart was doing at the time they got sick or before they got sick. Um,
1: yeah, maybe these remote devices so, only send data when some when there's an event of some sort. But
3: from what I know, I mean, I honestly don't know. I think for the most part they're like controlled by third party companies mm-hmm. that
4: um and we like request the information from the
1: companies. Oh, well that's interesting.
4: Um yeah. when I worked in the ER we had to call like they would carry yeah. a card and we had to call that company to come in and do a like a performance evaluation on the pacemaker after an event.
3: I think it's pretty important too though, because part of for them to be able to transmit the information because so the companies will actually call people if there's a problem with their pace you know they're oh. detecting like oh Have you, you've you been know shocked you know virgil instance. is you know having some sort of weird rhythm like we better give him a call and see if he's okay mm-hmm. or like you know something like that which i think is pretty important part of the whole deal because Big brother is watching well, yeah <laughs> You know,
1: that ship is sailing. Who knows if
3: you know he's laying on the ground in his apartment or whatever. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: Um, so.
1: I guess I'd never thought of that. Or if your yeah.
3: your pacemaker is starting to malfunction and you need a new one, they can detect that before or your battery's low. Yeah. yeah.
2: And part of this story too, it's like you know, I feel like this is one of those things that maybe they could have sent out in an email to all of the people with these pacemakers rather than making it a big news story because now if people know they can hack them, inevitably <laughs> there may be people now that will try to hack them. Well, that's the
1: old argument between security through obscurity versus security through actual security. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I, it, there, there's a tension there between... You know, giving out information that doesn't need to be given given out, versus fixing a problem. I mean, part of what um, I understand is the effort against hacking is to actually, you know, is to there's a, there's sort of a standard. You know, you you if you, if you're a security researcher and you have found a vulnerability, the usual standard is contact the organization, contact the manufacturer, tell them about the vulnerability. And if they don't do anything about the v- vulnerability within a period of months, and I, I don't know what the standard is, or even if it's very well adhered to, they don't do anything about it, then you disclose. Okay. Because- I didn't know that. Yeah, because the, the sit- you, 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 you got to force their hand at some point. Um, if it's a particularly dangerous vulnerability and, you, and they don't do anything about it because it doesn't make a, there's no business case for it, that's kind of a problem.
3: I think that, um, I'm going to sound like a conspiracy theorist right now, but in this day and so age, um, we should just assume that anything electronic can be hacked.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and just
3: operate as you need to. Like, don't send e- you know things in email that you don't want the whole world to know.
4: Um, so. It's 110% why, why I will never drive a self-driving car. That's horrible. Can be I just picture it locking me in and well, we, disengaging the brakes and...
1: I mean there's already there's already been proven that you can do this with a regular car
4: What?
1: Your yeah. your car if <laughs> Never you ever driving again <laughs> I drive a 2012 Prius. Uh, of course it, you do. cuz I'm a a hippie liberal. But uh, <laughs> but um, it is basically a robot. It is a series it is a the entire car is connected uh, <laughs> to all the other bits of the car. Um, they, and, and in turn connected to a computer on a network called Canbus and the computer could be, I don't know if it's possible in the, in this particular car, but in some cars they are connected to the internet or they can be connected to the internet remotely. And so you can take control of the brakes, the accelerator, the engine computer, you can destroy an engine with it. You can make it go. You can make it stop. I mean, it's it's a bit scary and it has been done, um, not maliciously, but it has been demonstrated as a as a as a potential thing. So and, and you know, right now there's this whole Internet of Things um, that is, uh, you know, become a be, well, become a thing um, where you can connect your house up to the Internet, you know, so you can control your lights and your. I've got one of these in my house. Um, so, you know, you, the problem is, is that there hasn't been much emphasis on security with the internet of things so far. They're starting to be now, but, um, you know, the, the state of the art has been, yeah, I don't know, who would want to control my lights? You know what I'm saying?
4: Yeah. When you're naughty, Dave, I'm going to make sure you go home to complete darkness (laughs) and just have to sit and think about what you've done. Dark
2: and cold. And you'll make it there very quickly.
4: (laughs) But now that you mention it, I guess I just recently bought a new car and it's my insurance company offered me this device to plug into the car's brain. I didn't really think about it, but they monitor how fast I accelerate my braking if I'm driving after midnight on the weekends, um, because that's considered a high risk driving time. So they calculate all of this to decide whether or not I'm a risky driver and then they adjust my premiums accordingly. Um, thankfully I left my car sitting for three weeks untouched over Christmas so uh, my averages went down and they consider me a good driver nice you know. but uh, yeah there's a computer in my car and now so you took them you're, up you're on this who knows if terrified. that thing is secure I highly doubt it is I can check it on my phone it's
1: well I mean there's secu- I mean there are I see, ways
4: I mean I see commercials for those um,
3: parents watching their kid you know like yeah. that creeps me out I don't know maybe my my parents just aren't like helicopter parents so it like really creeps me out that
1: your parents aren't helicopter They parents. aren't. Yeah.
4: Um, so it really creeps me. I'm like, just... I don't I'm know. a helicopter cat parent, so I've considered investing a, a few hundred dollars in one of those cameras that you can watch your cat from anywhere and oh. interact with them with a laser. <laughs> or press, cool. the laser. press the button on the uh, the app and it'll dispense a treat. So it's yes. got a... A one way camera so I can see him and a two way microphone so we can have oh, conversations. That's cool.
0: Wow. Can I really I mean, want it. My cat just, Please do this, I, Kylie.
1: I wanna yeah. I wanna I wanna run across Kylie sitting in her chair or in her usual chair in the in the college of medicine talking to her cat. Yeah. Ooh, oh, oh, nice. My cat just I's <laughs> we wearing the, a cat shirt, I didn't The notice.
3: chip in his skin or whatever.
4: He has a chip in his skin. Mm-hmm. um, With identification information. You'll have one soon, too, I'm sure. As a parent,
1: (laughs) parent, getting back to what you said, as a parent, it's actually really tempting.
4: Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it
1: is really tempting because you know that the first few months, first few years of driving, for instance, probably have to be among the scariest times for a parent. You know, and
4: your kids aren't even driving yet. No, right? they're not
1: driving, but we can see we can see the <laughs> they're future. Not,
4: not driving when you know. well. Yeah. Pretty soon, I mean, just a couple more it's years. Not not
1: too long. I mean, in Iowa, you can get a you can get your license at what 14?
3: Yeah, you can get your learner's, learners permit, permit, permit at 14. Yep. That's insane.
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, coming from Massachusetts, I mean, you can get your learner's permit at 15 and a half. I That's think in California Massachusetts. That's
4: what Yeah, and you can't. Does
1: that extra year and a half make a difference? I don't know, but. Well, Probably. You, you get
4: your license at 16, but you cannot drive with anyone under the age of 25 in your car um, for a whole year after having your license. I think
1: that's similar in Massachusetts. To what, help reduce do you remember distractions. what that is in Iowa?
4: There's some sort of law in Iowa about
3: the amount of people or something. I yeah. can't remember what it is. And then you have, you know, your year probation and you're not allowed to drive after 1230 for sure. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but I can't remember what the like. People.
2: There's definitely like restricted persons and restricted times, but yeah, I, need I to can't look. remember
4: what they are. Yeah. I wouldn't trust Iowa's car safety laws for minors when they don't require seatbelts in a backseat or helmets for motorcyclists. So they're that, they're in my is that shit true list. that they don't
1: require seatbelts in the back? I didn't know. No, that's yeah, 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 true. Don't they don't so. have it's a true.
4: secondary seatbelt law. Hmm. Um, you know the 14, the, the age
3: of fourteen, I think, is an old old. It's a farming uh, carryover thing. from the farm yeah. when, I mean, honestly, most of the, you know, farm kids have been driving forever and they're on probably, their properties, yeah, on their maybe properties. Or what, right. Um, so that's kind of a carryover that just never got updated.
1: Well, good on you, Iowa kids.
0: I personally like the 14 year old permit. That's when I got my permit. It was nice. Driving with <laughs> my mom around town. Where well, are I mean, you from? I'm from Des Moines. Oh, okay. If you
3: live, um, and in Iowa too, if you live... If you're taking driver's ed and you live over a mile from your school, you can get a school permit where you can drive by yourself. Which
0: to is school.
1: awesome.
3: Yeah, <laughs> if you live over a mile, which is yeah, kind of nice. <laughs> I'm
1: just imagining little 14-year-old teneme. teneme. I mean, you barely see above the wheel.
0: I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure if you could get it at 14 because I, I think you have to wait a year before you get your school permit or. You have to at least have taken
3: um, driver's ed.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I've heard it. that. I've definitely heard that there are, in some communities, take your tractor
2: to school day. Yeah. We did that as a senior prank. (laughs) It was take your tractor. If you didn't have a tractor, you brought your lawnmower. Okay. Fair enough. What if
4: you had a push lawnmower?
2: You pushed your lawnmower to school. Oh, People did it.
4: I forget people have ride-on lawnmowers.
1: I guess Iowans are a bunch of weirdos.
4: Yeah. True story. Uh, But we love you. Yes. We're glad to be here. We do. Please don't (laughs) oust us, Iowans.
1: Yeah, don't kick us out.
3: I went to uh, Iowa. It's the greatest state in the union.
1: Come to Iowa. It's definitely a unique place. Uh, Guys, listening to your patients is, of course, important. But what's more important is actually understanding them, right? Patients often speak or understand, often don't speak or understand the language of medicine. So it's important that you hear and understand what they're trying to tell you, even when their complaints are vague or confusing. So, to test your skills in listening and translating patients' concerns, we're going to play a game I'm calling... To play, to play, I'm going to present two or three-syllable words or phrases played backwards. These are things that, patient, that a patient might say. Um, very simple complaints or uh, observations about their own conditions. Uh, working together... <coughs> You can trans—I want you to translate that phrase into forward English, and then, and then once you have done that, if you get—you know—you may get it wrong. <laughs> this is this is difficult. Uh, then you'll repeat it back to the patient in their language. In other words, backwards, and we'll reverse <laughs> that to see if you did it right. This is confusing, I know, but we'll figure it out. Uh, are you ready to play? Ready. Let's do it. All right.
4: My brain hurts already.
1: Here is the first phrase. Stir hat. I'll play it again. Stir hat. Stir hat. Stir hat. -hat. You want to, you want to imitate that? Try to see if you can count their writing. Is it, is it it Tourette's? No. (laughs) Okay.
4: I was thinking
0: thirst.
1: No. Good. Steer Steer hat. Sounds sounds German. Well, yeah. (laughs) Russian.
4: I speak a little Russian. It's not Russian.
1: Steer hat.
4: Well, at least it's not one of the six Russian words I know.
1: This one's actually tough because I'm not sure that it actually sounds a lot like even backwards. (laughs) All right. Anybody want to take, want to hazard a guess? You've all hazarded a guess. Does anybody want to want to take a stand? Mm -hmm. Levi's writing Mm -hmm. things.
2: I'm with Kylie on thirst. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like thirst.
1: Uh... Well, that's incorrect. The phrase is
2: That hurts.
1: So that hurts. Whoa. Steer hat.
2: We had the right consonants.
1: Yeah. Do you wanna um do you wanna try to do I I want you to try to uh say the phrase backwards and we'll see if um we'll see if you can if, if by saying it backwards if we reverse it in the other direction we'll see if you can uh, if we can understand what it's saying
0: okay so i guess i'll give this a try all right stair hats
1: okay Stare hats. Well, That was oh, that's pretty good yeah do it play it again right again Stare hats. levi can you do better because this it, is wrong sta hurts is not right
2: stair hat stair hat stair hat i don't know how to run this app
1: that's,
2: pretty, that's good. pretty good
3: that's pretty good, that was pretty
2: good. Let's move on to the next...
3: For a second, I was like, oh, I'll just write it out and then say it phonetically. But I was like, wait a second, that doesn't work because... It
1: kind of works, though. You like, think so?
3: I mean, because the English language, you know, it's not always phonetic. So, I mean, you couldn't really... You couldn't really phonetically say it backwards because
1: No, it's not quite right, but it often close works. enough. Like, uh, here, give me the give me the phone there. Here we go. Like my name backwards I happen to know is Relta Divad. So this <laughs> will What? <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 that, didn't, that didn't work out at that all. That didn't work out at all.
2: Oh, what were your parents <laughs> thinking? Can I start La calling menina. you that
1: now? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, let's go with the next rap. <laughs> All right.
4: Nishwrks
2: here.
1: Yeah, script. Nishwrks here. Near She's hard to understand. Nishwrks here. Yes. Corbin's not even trying to guess
3: I, I'm studying for boards right now uh, And not being able to do it Is kind of demoralizing oh. me
4: <laughs> I think I know it What is it? Prescription You
1: got it oh, Wow. nice Here's what I
4: wrote out nurse, verks, herp And then I was like scriv Krishna. Uh, no, well, okay, the last part but uh, do you want to try? It was three separate words, and phonetically, it, I could work out that it sounded like.
1: See, it's possible. Do you want to uh, do you want to try the uh, the backward speaking? All right, you ready? Do I
4: have to hold button? No, just push it. Nürschwerder.
1: No, <laughs> and now hit the left button. This one. Yeah, hold it up to the the the, the, the other one. The uh, the, oh, the yeah that one. one. <laughs> the other left.
4: Prescription. Perfect. Oh, pretty good.
3: <laughs> Whoa. That's awesome. Nice. I, we used to so like, good at that. play
4: this kind of a lot as kids. I used
1: to do this too. Yeah. Back when there were no apps, you know, I had a I had a <sighs> Mac. I had my I had a Mac which was incredibly unusual. And uh and yeah, it, it had its own you know, it had built in sound, which computers back then didn't or PCs didn't have. And so I would play games with it in college and like flip the sounds around. I know.
3: Dave, the original hipter. hipster. Hipster was. Had Mac before his cool.
1: Also, <laughs> and hipter. hipter Hipter. All right, let's uh let's do this one. Good job. Yeah, you get, I'm very you... impressed. You get a point. That's awesome. Here, uh, here's another phrase. The
0: who's. <laughs> oh
1: my god. Zishnidi. 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 Wait, I guess. <laughs> I hope our listeners are enjoying my my attempts.
0: One more
1: time. Zishnidi. <laughs> Any uh? Do you want to do you want to take a stab at it, Corbin?
0: No.
3: <laughs> <I'm> so sorry. <laughs> Every time I come on here while I'm trying to study for boards, I just leave feeling like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really think.
1: I'm not, you know, like, I don't think talking backwards, is, not being able to You don't to think ta- it's going
2: to come up? I don't think it's going to come up. Uh-huh.
1: I don't know. <laughs> For you yeah, on, the, know. on boards?
3: Uh, no, it just makes me think my brain doesn't work anymore.
2: <laughs> You'll get to, like, later on, step two clinical skills. you get the patient that talks yeah. backwards. I'm
3: just going to walk out. And <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts uh,
0: on
1: what uh, this is?
0: It's a tough one like it's it feels like it's almost like in double speed like
1: yeah yeah i can't i, I, can't,
0: I can't break up the
1: here i'll slow it down <laughs> uh,
4: something insurance
1: no
3: oh <laughs> it
1: kind of is kinda... it or i think it's no not deet Dit. Sound it out, Levi. You've written something.
2: I'm I'm just writing out the back, like... Right. Like, backwards. So read it backwards and tell me what you've written. Tid-in-sers? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not it. And I know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, I'm going to... What is it? Unless you, uh, unless favorite. anybody else wants to hazard... Go ahead, I don't Kate. think
4: you can play my guess on uh, the air.
1: Tename anything? <laughs> no, I mean,
0: that's do have to impress too, but here it is. It itches. What? Oh, There's it an itches. R. It itches.
3: I can see that. Can... Zish, knit it. Zish,
1: knit it. Oh, zish. Okay. I
3: have That's a couple friends. Anybody
1: wanna? Oh yeah, go ahead.
3: Oh, I have a couple friends who only text each other in uh shoot. I forget what the word is. What it's called, but only words that when you say them out loud, like it sound like I would be instead of I just like cap capital I myself. It'd be e y e. So you'd be like you'd use Ye. other words to say uh, what you're trying oh, to I say. See.
2: Yeah, yeah. How Homophones, so?
3: homophones. Yeah, they only text each other in homophones. It kind of reminds me. That's of that. freaking irritating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, would I
1: anybody disapprove. like to like to try uh, speaking it backwards?
4: Well, I have a question now for you, Dave. If yeah. you could only receive text messages for the rest of your life in homophones or emojis, what would you pick?
1: Oh, homophones. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, try it, me. Oh, uh, what's it again? Uh,
0: Zersniti. Okay. Zersniti? Okay. okay. Hey, that was pretty close. <laughs> Wait, <what about> <laughs> <laughs> you can get in here. Of course, I know what I'm listening for, so.
4: All
1: right, let's try another one. Shh,
0: that's right. Not- what? Is, 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 it, is it amnesia?
1: No. Oh, okay. I don't think patients come into your office. Clean. Doctor, I'm afraid I have amnesia.
4: But I don't I I got it.
1: I suppose they might.
4: I can't even hear the letters. I'm sad.
1: You got it! I, You're just kicked your butts.
0: I wouldn't have got that. <laughs> oh my god.
4: Uh but the letters like I wrote out T E M S A D E. Tim sad. And then cuz it sounded like there was a T in there so or Tim said but I was like the E is optional.
0: That's so, ma-
1: I don't yeah. think I'm sad.
4: I don't think she's very good at speaking backwards. But well, she is a
1: computer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The, let's try let's try to uh somebody somebody volunteer to speak that one backwards. Come on Corbin. you want me to play it one more time for you? Yeah. That's ma- it asthma. It ma- Okay. okay, and now push the left play button to play. Oh, play. the left is Yeah, good. that one. Did I not record it? <sighs> Try it again. Oh,
3: I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sharing sure my age. Do you even app it? Just kidding. <laughs>
4: um, okay, it asthma. smoke. Yeah. I'm Yeah, not bad. There you go. You sounded sad when you said that. Uh, I did <laughs> kind of sound sad.
1: sad. Oh. All right, we've got another one.
4: Get it? Get it. I
1: think this, this is an interesting one because it sounds... The same backwards as it does forward. Oh,
0: like is, race car? Is it, is it Hannah? Race car? Mom? Mom.
1: It's, I mean, it's not perfect, but.
4: Anal? <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to have to edit that out? No.
1: No. Uh, the answer is no.
4: That's <laughs> always my answer. Too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Care to uh, take a stab at it, oh, Levi? Boy. Play it again. No. No? Come on. (laughs) All right. I'm going to give it. Headache. No. Oh, no. That sounds a little bit. Headache. I don't hear it at all. No. No. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, it didn't sound
4: like two syllables, really. Okay,
1: maybe it did. Let me try this one. I want to try speaking this one backwards. Oh, okay.
4: Lana would be anal backwards for all those wondering at home.
1: I'm sure they were. (laughs) All right. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Hey, Hey, that was way better than hers.
1: I'm awesome. All right, uh, last one. <laughs> they hear with relief. This is two syllables. I'll give you a hint, sometimes said with elation. Most times said with elation.
4: Can you say it backwards, Dave? I get it more from when you say it than when she does.
1: Oh, okay. Hediric. mea. Meah.
4: Hmm.
1: What was that last part of it, the second half? Yeah
3: Yeah.
4: I'm.
1: So, Hediric. Mm-hmm. Said with elation. I would assume overwhelming joy.
4: I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say when I walk in a room. I'm
3: here!
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: so what's... Uh, say it
1: again. Hederek. Yeah.
4: I'm cured. You got it. Oh. Good
1: job. Nice. Somebody say it backwards. Go ahead, Levi. <clears throat> It's a good app. (laughs) It just keeps
4: crashing. Did you pay like big money for that? I paid $2 for this app.
1: I paid Teneme $2 to download this app. For someone
4: living on student loans, that's a lot to pay for
1: Uh, Well, that's why I gave Teneme $2. Let it not be said that I don't sacrifice for this show. A whole penny. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. You even get a tip out of it. It was $1.99. $1. For
4: those who can't see in the office right now, there is currently a lamb across the table splayed out and sacrificed.
1: Yes. Yes. The blood's getting on my pants, though. I don't. Not great. You want You want me to play it again? Sure.
2: Derish Derish I'm sure. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Better <laughs> than her. It's not even. bad.
4: She sucks.
2: Good work
1: so uh so good i'm gonna I, I i mean if there's a winner here it's got to be kylie because she yeah. got she actually got two right Thank corbin you. comes in second oddly oddly <laughs> because while her brain is not functioning properly because she's studying for boards she accidentally got i accidentally half got one right. of a phrase right yeah and these two bozos got nothing yeah sorry hey, hey, sorry corbin. bozos uh,
4: I got a question for you. Who runs the world? Girls.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bozos unite. (laughs) That's right. That's all for this time, guys. Thank you, Corbin, Levi, Teneme, Kylie. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, uh, for making us a part of your week. And if you like what you heard today, consider sharing us with your friends. And if you have a suggestion for someone we should have as a guest on the show, send it to the shortcoats at gmail.com or call 347 SHORT ct like our facebook page where every week i ask listeners to send in their thoughts on an allegedly profound thing the show is made possible by a generous donation by carver college of medicine student government and the writing and humanities program our executive producer is jason lewis our opening music is by dr vox and our closing music is by argo fox talk to you in a one a week